Is it the Irish jig version? I don't know. I... Does it have the words? Maybe there's no words. Okay, let's try this. <laughs> Nyx! <laughs> More no words. It's, I don't know. It doesn't have the lyrics? It's Apple Music, honey. I just typed it in. Da, 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 da. Oh, here's a chorus. Ready? Oh, no! And Marie Osmond. Maybe it doesn't have words. No, it has words. Okay. All right, hold on. Okay. Tis a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to be free. Tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. And when we find ourselves in a place just right till twill, twill, twill. be in the valley of love and delight. Ooh, the Valley of Love and Delight. When truths... Uh, no, we're not... No tis verse. a gift to be simple. Tis a gift to, to be free. Tis, tis a gift to come down where we ought to be. I don't know what that when means. When we find ourselves in the place just right. Twill be Twill. in the Valley the of light. Love and Delight. Oh, Love and Delight. Okay. It is a gift to be simple. And then my quote after that is... It is another thing completely to keep it that way. Ooh. Ooh, deep. Deep. Deep thoughts. Deep in the valley. Deep in the valley. So I thought I would talk a little bit about this. This will probably be a short one. We'll see. We'll see where this goes. I don't have a whole lot of plans. But I saw the other day driving home from a, one of the giant storage places in our little city. Oh. Uh, in big, big words, it said, live with more space. And I just, I had to laugh out loud because it's a storage place. Excuse me. That's really getting championing. Championing? Championing. That sounds wrong. Championing. 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 Chimping. Chimping. Chipping away at. Chipping away. Champion. They were championing. Yeah, it is right. I don't think there's any other way to say it, but I can't do it. So have at it, girl. Right. They were getting behind the idea of decluttering. <laughs> but and, not really. But not really. But they really what they really want is for you to become to have a sense of being overwhelmed about the amount of stuff that's in your house and to pay them to keep it for you. So don't get rid of it, just store it. <laughs> right. I, I found this, like, literally I had a visceral sick. First, I laughed internally and probably out loud to myself in my car and just had, like, really, really a really good laugh about it. But I also found and find it rather distasteful um, and rather disgusting that people make money. And I see these places going up all over the place. like Everywhere. Anybody with a little extra plot of land, you know what? Let's build a storage place on it because... People have so much crap that they don't know what to do with that they'll pay us to keep it for them. And then when they don't come back in like three to five years and their whatever is up, we get to keep their stuff. And auction it off. Or auction it off or do or become a hoarder uh, or whatever it is that these people are doing with all the stuff that people literally do forget about. They are, they are banking on the fact that people won't ever want this stuff back. And they 
uh, will probably cease to stop paying, in which case they get to keep all of the stuff. And that happens more often than not. Statistically, you will not go back for this stuff and they will get to sell it or whatever. I mean, and I just have to wonder what is what is in these places. I In the 20, almost 23 years that I've been married, we've never needed a storage facility. The only thing I can think of is if you're moving from us from like really far away or you don't have a house yet, like you're sell, you sold your house, you have that is the only that is the only situation, and then you, I know, I, had I know you I had, had one as a business. Yes, I had it as a business, and it was set up like a gallery. So I had so much glassware and stuff like that that I had actually two. I had like one that I still needed to pick through, and then I had one uh, like a twenty by thirty, and it was like gallery style. It was like shelves all the way around, and it was all storage. And then we would go to mm-hmm. each, before each event, pick up what we needed bring it to the studio so my studio wasn't crowded, bring it to the studio and um, design. And then on the Monday after the wedding, we'd clean, prep, process it back out, and then we'd repack it and bring it out. But monetarily, like, you were paying for this every month. I paid for it per year, and it was cheap because it was cheaper that way. It was okay. cheaper than buying, a like, a building with extra, like, for mm-hmm. me, I used to have a studio. I rented it. It was all down underneath, and that was, like, almost a thousand dollars a month versus a storage unit for me was like five hundred dollars a year mm-hmm. if you paid the full year so I, I i have to believe though and guess that most people that, that are renting storage units not, do not have I'll a gallery you, or or, or th- fully thriving business right and i'll tell you while i was there we were I never saw anyone else in their storage unit no because they're not or if i did and i would like i was so curious it was just garbage yeah it is just garbage uh, stop really- me if i'm wrong get like send me an ang- a nasty gram or send me an email or like i have priceless heirlooms in my storage container <laughs> and i also go there to smoke pot because now you're so funny this one's get this one got our grill guys watch uh, out this really does have my grill actually i find it repulsive that there are even storage places to begin with i find it repulsive that the storage units are are branding themselves as some sort of decluttering solution where you declutter your house and bring it to clutter up a, another place and you're paying someone to keep your crap for you I, I find the whole thing just ridiculous beyond measure and now what we see in Maine anyway and I'm guessing in all the other states where pot is legal um, now we see dispensaries popping up with the storage facility so you can go work yourself really hard clean out your house put it in your truck bring it to this place pay this guy to store it for you and then before you head home grab some edibles you can grab some pot (laughs) and and get real high and then really appreciate the space that you have now and the fact that I hope that it's lost on you that you're now paying a stranger to keep your garbage. And I get really hostile. I'm going to just use this as my hostile platform. I find it just repulsive. I mean, it's so sad because remember, we we often talk about like our armor and our baggage. And I think buying stuff and trying to fill the void that whatever that is, like shopaholics, but even deals, like there's something about a deal like I know 
my grandmother is like this. She has, I've never seen a human being with more shoes in my life because it was a deal. Like if there was a deal at Walmart and these sneakers were a dollar, she can't, like she can't not buy them because she knows it's a deal. And so she'll buy them in every color. So mm-hmm. like she has like 300 pairs of shoes. In her tiny apartment, she has 300 oh, pairs yeah, of shoes. Oh yeah, she has a little storage unit down in totes, just totes and totes of shoes. She has a storage unit full of shoes? Um, a little storage thing. No, she's actually, my grandmother is, a, she has a lot of things, but she's very organized about it. Like she, sure, that's, that's but, totally possible. But I do, but I do. Yes. No, I think, so I think there's this other thing, like there's a poverty mentality that I would love to like take this into like people believing, like if you grew up poor or, and you not dealing with some stuff, that poverty mentality of well, I might as well, I should buy it because I might not be able to buy it later. Or I, I, I can't throw it away because I might need it another time. Sure. Or, that's one so, of the strongest arguments that hoarders try to use. Yes, and that's the poverty, like that I could be poor. I have the money now. The shoes are only a dollar. I have to buy the shoes because I'm going to need shoes someday. And these ones are a dollar and I'm poor, so I can afford a dollar. But so you already I, have 300 pairs. Where's that Where's that information I coming into play? I don't play? know. I think it's out of sight, out of mind. That's why they store them. Mm. Um, I, Or they don't have red ones, or they don't have purple ones, or they don't have this kind of ones. And what if this kind doesn't come back? You know, like, I just think that there's a, a fear. There's a fear in people of losing the opportunity of the deal like I struggle with it like I always feel better when I buy something and I I now know that about myself so I don't buy but I mm-hmm. I will go even even cleaning out my grandmother's house as I have been cleaning out my grandmother's house with her permission because she wants me to over these past couple weeks I'll see like she also does this with costume jewelry piles and drawers and drawers and drawers and drawers of bracelets and rings and necklaces and I have this feeling of like loss like if I don't take this and it's gone then I may need it someday and it wouldn't be my grandmother's Mm -hmm. and I've had to talk myself off the cliff of like okay what is do you actually need but it I can see I I can rationalize with people why it's such a compulsory thing Mm mm-hmm um, sure. The fear of the fear of losing out. It's like FOMO, but in a instead of an activity, like people have the fear of losing out. Like I don't want to miss this thing. It's the same kind of FOMO, but it's like, what if in the tar- Target dollar store, they never have that little carrots, and maybe someday I want to do a little display on my mantle and I'll need those little carrots so I better buy those little carrots because they're only three dollars oh, I wish you guys could see me shaking my head I know, right now because it doesn't because yeah. you're the opposite you're compulsory is the opposite of that yeah I see mostly garbage in the dollar spots I'm just literally completely confounded that that people are buying most of that and every now and then there's something cute and I do buy it but I would say by and large yeah. everything there looks like actual garbage to me because the problem also is is that you know how to take things that you already have to look cute like you know how Mm -hmm. to take a stack of books and put them on a stool with a shell on top and it looks cute and sweet right and like looking around and describing what you see yes (laughs) because 
it looks like something you'd see in a magazine, right? Okay. Well, other people don't have that skill set. So Target's not stupid and Walmart's not stupid. So and Hobby Lobby's not stupid. So what they did is they took what you can do or Joanna Gaines can do or other people can do naturally and then they buy cheap China China mass produced fake books and a shell and they sell them and they're like, look, you could you just do that naturally with things that you have or things that you love. And other mm-hmm. people see that aesthetic and they go, Oh, I like that, but they don't have the the skill set to go through their actual house and find some cute books. So what they do is they go to Hobby Lobby mm-hmm. and find the fake book display and buy those books and then stack them with a shell on top. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And I think yeah, we are getting somewhere because I I think the the I don't know if this has a point so much as just me getting to the bottom of something, which is to me, it's not the same thing anyway. It's a cheap replacement of it something is. authentic. And I and so for me, it doesn't work. It doesn't fill the void. It actually makes it worse. Like right. to me. To you. To me. Right. But to other people who want to your aesthetic or Joanna Gaines aesthetic. And this is where consumerism is so such a insane addiction. Consumerism because people like Joanna Gaines, who just did it naturally at her own home became famous for it, and now she has a whole section of Target where she mass mm-hmm. produces what she used to just do genuinely by going into an antique store and things like that so that mm-hmm. you can buy her aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And hers is better quality than some, but that's mm-hmm. still what you're doing. You're buying Joanna Gaines' aesthetic that she became famous for just being able to do. Like if you watch her show, she used to go to antique stores. Like you go to antique stores and find the box and find mm-hmm. the big rooster or the windmill or whatever the flippity flop she was going to do and now target pays her to design those in mass quantity which is not original and it's not the same it's a dumbed down version yeah and i mean i have a lot of joanna Gaines right target version of things in my house there's a few things that i i feel sad that I feel like in some ways it's kind of like, I don't want to use the word sellout because I love Joanna Gaines and I have nothing against her whatsoever. I, I just think that once you Nora, mass pro- just- once you start mass producing things, there's no way to replicate the the authenticity. Right. There's no way, right. which is why I have always I love the handmade, small business, small batch, authentically unique, you know, whatever quality of things, and I I I usually. I usually choose to stay there. Like I usually, with the exception of, I would say, literally with the exception of Target, you know, and and that kind of aesthetic where it's like, this is still really nice compared to whatever else. But um, I think the problem in some part comes when you fall in love with something for a deal, like you're describing. Right. Or something that you love in that space, in that moment. So like you're having, you know, you're, you're doing some therapeutic shopping or whatever. You've got your Starbucks in your hand and you're in the Joanna Gaines section and you find this piece or whatever. But you bring it home and what's at home, it doesn't fit. Like let's just hypothetically say your space or your aesthetic or whatever it is that you're and so it doesn't fit and it becomes clutter very quickly because it just doesn't fit yeah it's not matching up or um 
I don't know. Like, I guess that I run into those problems with myself. Like once I, once Christmas season, for example, is passed and all the Christmas vibes have passed, I need to do a massive choosing to have less in my space again. I have to do a a push to reset where I, and I now take out all of the Christmassy vibes, if you will, where it's like, I have to I have to remove items I have to make a choice to take this out I'm I'm this has been this way on my mantle for a month or two months and I want to just I want it to feel fresh I need to so you take everything off you you wipe your mantle and then you think about what you do want up there now is it you know and just try, try something totally different try something totally either just simple or even just leave it like just think about it for a little bit just enjoy Mm -hmm. it being clean and then decide if you want to put a wreath up there or candles or books or whatever like kind of give some thought to that I think the problem is for a lot of people is that they they'll in a moment in a store they'll be excited about the aesthetic of something right then and there yeah but then bring it home and it ends up either just sort of they take it out and they're like, oh, it's fine right there, you know, on the what coffee table or whatever. And then, but it's just what it was in the space in the store just doesn't translate or, or just if you bring it into a messy home, for example, too, if you're trying to like, I'll drive by and this is feeling a little scattered, but I told you I didn't have anything planned. I'll drive by some houses on my way to bring my boys to school and there's this one house in particular that's just you can tell that this person is a hoarder and each season will come and like so for Halloween it usually starts with Halloween there'll be like a jack-o'-lantern something that's outside and then Thanksgiving comes and so there there's like a turkey flag that goes into the jack-o'-lantern and then Christmas comes and there's a wreath on the door next to the turkey flag that is in the jack-o'-lantern and my brain goes by a scene like this and just can't take it in like I cannot for one minute fathom that whole thing right I just can't and I'm just like okay (laughs) my my hostile side my Miss Piggy side wants to call the town and tell the town to please put a piece of paper on this person's house that says you're not allowed to decorate this way (laughs) and like and have so much garbage in your in freedom freedom and have so much garbage in your lawn it's like you, you can only you have to have no garbage in your and this is again a full disclosure of my own feelings you can't have garbage in your lawn and a wreath on your door at the same time that does not work that doesn't translate i love you so much i mean i think it is like i'm not as good at it at my house as you are I'm getting better, but I think part of it, you have to just know what you like and just stick to it. And I think as I'm getting older, like, I I know, but I definitely do that with how I dress. Like, I know how I dress. I dress mm-hmm. the same way. It's actually kind of a running joke on Fridays if I don't wear a similar outfit. My teachers are like, excuse me, you're not wearing your Friday outfit, which is usually one of your t-shirts that says, love oh. or choose joy with wide-legged black pants, high-rise pants, and, you know my and a pair of clogs or a pair of converse you have an aesthetic for each day no but friday by friday i just it's kind of like that's as casual as i get usually i'm wearing pencil skirts or maxi skirts or 
a sweater with a blouse underneath. Like I dress very professional, like yeah. dress clothes. So mm-hmm. on Friday, I let it all hang out and I wear a Rachel t-shirt with a wide pair of wide-legged high-rise dress slacks. They're actually yoga pants, but they look so nice that they aren't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and so they're, and that's what I wear. And so this last Friday, I didn't wear that and I wore a different pair of navy and white striped wide-legged pants with a white t-shirt and a, and a navy um cardigan and my staff was like my all my teacher friends were like um you're not wearing the right outfit I was like oh my gosh you guys I'm sorry I'm so predictable but like that's what I wear I wear black navy white gray Mm -hmm. the biggest aesthetic I do is stripes like I don't I might have a yeah you basically have like a bullet wardrobe where where it's like you have where I wear every classic pieces day I'm like I yeah I do and that but what that has done is that's freed me it's really mm-hmm. freed me. And I know what stores fit my body well. And mm-hmm. so I wait for sales and I shop J. Crew and Banana Republic. That's only clothes that fit my body well. And that's mm-hmm. okay. Like I know my body. And so those are the clothes that I wear. And then on the weekends when I want to be wild and crazy, hold your phone, I wear <laughs> jeans and concert t-shirts. Like that's mm-hmm. what I do. And I do that because it gives me control because I know it fits my body. I know it looks good on my body. I know I can accessorize up and down. I know I can make lots of different outfits with it. Mm -hmm. And when I'm shopping and I get a unicorn syndrome and I see this super cute peasanty print floral print blouse on a mannequin, I'm like, that's so cute. I remember you won't look good in that. Right. You're not boho. I'm not boho. (laughs) I am. I'm French. Like I just dress like a French girl. You do. Yeah. And that's what works for me. And that's a very good example of what, what I mean, try to describe for, for your, your home. Yes. And that I'm getting better at. It became, I, you are so skilled. Like someday she needs her own show, people, at helping people hone in on that. And I, with the bigness of my family, I I was not as, fr- I was much more free. Like, so if we needed totes to put into our cubes for shoes, mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. grabbed totes. Like, yeah, you I, didn't think about, how do these totes make me feel? Right. right. Or they were on clearance and they were at least a neutral color. Mm-hmm. And, or when my kids were littler, they all wanted things color-coded so that they would know, or I wanted them. So Thomas had green and Parker had blue and um, Isabel had like a tealy blue and then Emma had, I think she went through lots of different phases, but maybe she had turquoise. I don't remember. I was going to say all the colors. <laughs> yeah. And so like, but that doesn't look aesthetically pleasing when you walk into a mudroom. It would look better if they were all uniformed, right? So, to me, but yes, you know, no, and to me I'm a nut. Too, but like, yeah. I just wanted my kids to put their flipping shoes away. And if mm-hmm. I, it meant that they got to pick a color, mm-hmm. that was a battle worth letting go. Yep. And so now, as they're getting older and I'm able to have the brain space for that, I'm doing what I do with my wardrobe with my home too. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I it's a, it's a battle. Like, my house is all white now. That's mm-hmm. why I've always wanted it. But when your children are as dirty as mine were, we had gray walls because I was making everything like everything I owned looked dirty like I was like Mm -hmm. if I just start there yeah yeah it'll be fine yeah and that's not what I want and now I have a place where I can do that more Mm -hmm. 
I know. I think I, I have a very hard time trying to figure out what exactly my truest beliefs about home and simplicity and decluttering and organizing really, really land. And I think I just I personally love when something's functional and beautiful, but that is in the eye of the beholder. So and some some people love a lot of stuff around them like they actually love it that's the part of their aesthetic is that they love to see lots of different things and I I just can't my own personal um you know my my heart map and my all the things it just cannot it cannot rest and it cannot function in in a space like that where there's just like I don't even know where to look or this looks like it needs attention. Like it just looks like it needs to be done. And um, actually, I this is something I have to do for my own homework for this show is my mom lent me one of her favorite books that I remember from my childhood is called The Messies Manual. And it basically goes through and describes what kind of messy person you are. And like just assuming that pretty much everybody is some kind of messy. Like there's some people that will le- love to wash and do laundry but never fold it. Or there's some people that love to fold laundry but never put it away. You know, it's like a very there's there's some people that will like get all the cleaning supplies that they need but then never really use them. And it it just kind of spells out some of the different places and 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 this is an older book from I think the 70s, but she basically was like everybody can learn how to live more simply if that's what they want. Like if what you want is to live more simply and you want it to be easier to be home, which is what I think that's kind of the heart space where I always land is where it's like, I just, I want my life to be simple and I want my home to be simple so that my life can be simple. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't feel like life is simple in a chaotic environment. I feel like it's oppressive and stressful. And I feel like it's harder to make a basic decision in an environment where it's like, I don't know when the last time I saw the tabletop or I don't know the last time I saw my countertop or I don't know what's in that cupboard. And it's like that having that kind of feeling would incapacitate me for just a normal day. Like I need to, I mean, and I'm not, again, like within reason, I think that there's, but I know that it's a real, it's a real thing for a lot of people that Mm -hmm. they struggle to keep. And that's, that's kind of the, the, the joke of like tis a gift to be simple and tis a, a totally different thing to keep it that way like it's one thing to purge to purge but then you have to you've got to protect that purge if you will protect the space mm-hmm. and Ma- I, maintenance it, it takes it a is, lot of maintenance it is it is maintenance and I once worked with a client for a couple of years before we ever got anywhere and it was really it was really sweet and really fun to work with her um we had a lot of breakthroughs along the way before we ever started decluttering and I think what she was she's a um I would say she's probably a self-admitted shopaholic but she does have a beautiful home and a beautiful aesthetic but she had a particular addiction to buying bowls and she just had so 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 many and so many that she was storing them in multiple places in her home and like some in the basement and some in the attic and so and she just couldn't resist it was like the shoes for your grandmother she couldn't resist finding a beautiful bowl and one of the things we were just working through is that I was just like well most of these bowls are never going to be used because there's just there's so many that like 
that's not how life works. Like you're going to probably reach for the same bowl almost every time. You're going to reach for your classic pieces like you with your bullet outfits. Mm-hmm. Most of the time you're going to go to your your easiest, your best, the thing that you're not f- afraid of breaking, the you know, your your heavy your heavy working pieces. And it really is it is true and finally after after literally years of working with her uh, with a lot of different things she was finally ready to go through and she loved them all she loved them all every single one of them but she after working with her about decluttering her kitchen to the point where she was, she thought she was going to need to actually expand her kitchen cupboard space but w- while working with her found that all the space that she had was already there she just had too much stuff in it and Again, after a lot of time went by and a lot of really hard conversations, she was able to like pick the ones that she really thought she would use and that she loved. I mean, it it had to fill both of those right. things. Do I like it? Do I do I love it? Do I need it? And when you're talking about things like a bowl, I do think it has to be both. It's like I love it, but I'm also going to use it. It's mm-hmm. going to be a thing that I. So if it's like really so beautiful that you're never going to use it, don't use like get rid of it. I mean, for me, if you have a mansion and you have, like, display cupboards that are lit, <laughs> and one thing you really want to have is a display cupboard of your stuff, that's one thing. But most of us, I would say, have a limited amount of space, and so at that point, you're like, "What do I want to? What do I want to store? Do I?" And and that's why that sign, I think, I found so. In the end, it comes. It, it super offends me because I'm like, they're just offering. For you to pay them to keep more, to mm-hmm. keep more stuff for you so you don't have to make those choices so that you don't have to think, which 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 of these bowls do I really love enough to keep and use and store, but can I get rid of the rest and not get rid of like move it into a storage place that you're paying for, but just literally let it go. Let it go. Let it have a different life. And if you can't even do that, break it. One of the biggest breakthroughs I ever had with this same friend was when I took a mug that she was obsessing over having in a yard sale so that she could try to make five cents off this thing. It was like literally like, I love my teacher mug. It was a crappy mug. She's like, well, I've had it for years because I thought it would sell for, in, for five cents in a yard sale. I'm like, okay, let's assume that I'm going to pay you five cents right now for this mug to do this. And I chucked it on the floor and broke it. That is hilarious. I was I like, know look, friend, and I think that is hilarious. Look, you won't ever have to worry about this stupid thing ever again. It's gone. It's broken. And it was super, super liberating. And then she wanted to break some stuff. And we did. We broke some stuff together and threw it away. And it was doing that actually. Set, I was like, you're spending so much time thinking about this stupid thing right here. We're, we're talking about it in real time. We're sitting here talking about this. This stupid, ugly mug. This is our life. Yeah. Just spend the five cents in your brain to get rid of this cheap, uh, ugly mug that you have wanted to sell in a yard sale, but that you don't want to use and you don't want it in your pretty cupboards. Just throw it away. Get rid of it. Put it out of its misery. Yeah. And it was this agonizing moment that like you really, it was just like, you know what? If you break it, it's just done. And then you're free from this thing. It's just a thing. Mm-hmm. 
And if it comes down to money now, obviously, I've and we've talked about this before, where it's like, if they have heirlooms and all the things, it's like the stuff that's in your attic from your family. It's like, there's some stuff that needs you, you need to spend time thinking like, what's the right way to move this on? Mm-hmm. What's the respectful right way to move on expensive things? Or like, you have a Wyeth painting. Like, that is... Shh, don't tell people. All right. Rob. Yeah. Okay, sorry. She doesn't. It's a fake. But it's not. <laughs> It's like you can't dispose of stuff like that. You can't. Throw, that I would be a, shame, no, a shameful thing to do. Yeah. However, most of us don't have stuff like that. Yeah. I don't have stuff like that. I don't have anything that's really irre- irreplaceable except my own artwork. If it like all got burned up, I'd be like, well, that was a lifetime. of. That's kind of a bummer. But again, it's still just stuff. Yeah. In the end. I do think it's an interesting thing that and I just I love it. Like I'm ready I think because I'm living in such a small space with my grandmother at this point until she passes away, I'm surrounded by her stuff. I'm so ready to be rested enough to do this to my house again. Like it's time, like I can feel it and I can push through it. And every, every time it gets better, Mm -hmm. every time I'm like, okay, because sometimes I also think less is more what I've always noticed that when I have less in my refrigerator, we actually eat it. Mm hmm. When I have less in the cupboards, they actually eat it. If I go buy too much, they don't eat it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, so like, I think that's, or, you know, if uh, dishes, like I told Peter for Mother's Day, I want s- dishes. I want some nice dishes. We've always used just mismatch mm-hmm. because it was, we had children. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready for dishes. And he's like, mm-hmm. okay. So I'm going to purge all the dishes and mm-hmm. I want to, you know, I they did. don't owe you anything. It's been what, 23 years. Right. <laughs> so starting fresh now and then with stuff like that is so nice. I mean, if every single thing that you have has a chip or a hole or a stain in it, just let yourself have the cathartic experience of saying goodbye to a few old dishes and buy some new dishes. Yeah. It's okay. It is. But and don't I, do both. No. Don't keep your old crack dishes. What if I need a fifteen a 15th plate? If I have 15 people over, that's always the questions. It's like, well, what if I have a big party? Buy paper plates. I... I am going to push back on that. I do have a set of dishes that I use just for Thanksgiving because I do have like... Well, your fat fryers and all that. I'm not talking about your fat fryers. My fat fryers are precious and they are in storage. I'm not talking about those. No, no, no. They're not in storage. They're right on your counter. I just dusted those the other day. (laughs) I know. I want to put them up on my counter because I'm afraid they're going to get broken and I love my fat fryers. No, I mean, I have a set of like... Oh, plates and bowls. Just plates. Just plates because I do have... 25 people over for Thanksgiving so I but they're oh they're right in my barn I pull them out they're like these funky cranberry vintage plates Mm -hmm. that I had at a wedding that somebody did so they all match I wash them we put them out I wash them again they go right back out into the into the barn so I got you I guess what I'm saying is don't keep that 15th plate in your cupboard with your new set I'm saying this because I've seen it this is, I'm not making any of this stuff up. I know. I don't have to. It's out there. And I have so many crazy stories. Like one of, one of these days I'm going to start a series called like, I don't even know what it's called going to be called yet, but it's going to all have to do with hoarding because since I was 12 years old, when I started helping people, I have seen too much. Yeah. I have seen so many things. And, and I, I, think- I think it just speaks to, it's, it's a big exaggerated version of some of the chronic things that are happening which get us to a place yeah I think it is I think 
I mean, my my meme is a hoarder, and she, or she was a hoarder. I don't. I'm sure she's doing better now, but she grew up in the depression, and so she was so par- paranoid about food. And so one day, I remember my aunt was helping clean out her cupboards, and she had a Campbell, like cream of mushroom soup from every decade like there was mm-hmm. one from 1920 in the back and then there was an expiration 1930 and 1940 1950 1970 1980 and she was like wow like mm-hmm. because what what if what if what if what if because yep. she and it was this if you can buy it and you can hold it and you can grab it and you can and you feel like you have control over it like you have control over whatever crazy future thing happens that there's a zombie apocalypse well i will have enough cream of mushroom <laughs> soup Man. people to survive you know what i mean like i think yeah. that there's this amount of for me i'm going to speak for me when i find myself wanting to buy something mm-hmm. it is because i am feeling out of control about something else and so I, I get anxious and I want to buy something because it makes me feel like I'm in control of that thing. Mm-hmm. It's not good and I'm getting better at it, but I can see how people could do that, especially people who struggle financially and they see something that they wish they could have or they think they might need to have and it's a deal. And so they're like, or yard selling. I mean, I think that's why yard selling is such an epidemic for people that they go and they just buy mm-hmm. and buy and buy. I mean, I did. I had a yard sale once trying to get rid of stuff. And I had this four and a half foot tall Pilsner glass that you would use at an <laughs> altar oh that a man bought because he'd never seen anything like it and he just wanted it and he yeah. was going to put his pennies in it. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I felt bad selling it to him for 20 bucks. but <laughs> I know. Because I knew. And he kept coming back and looking. He's like, I have never seen it glass this big <laughs> what is this for and I said it's for altar arrangements you put big you know and yeah. he's like I want this I don't know why but I want it because he had never seen it and it was affordable to him and he sure it it was crazy yeah I know it's all the things uh for me I I value the space and the simplicity as much or more as the stuff like what I mean I I, that's what I value more and that's what I'm fighting for so if it's like on the flip side if you're fighting for that sort of moment where you're like I bought something else that stresses me that moment that moment that a lot of people love Mm -hmm. that's the moment of stress for me right there where I'm like I want something because if I want a new sweater or a new pair of shoes I kind of feel like my closet is maxed out visually Meaning I don't want to wedge my shoes on top of each other just to fit another pair. And I want them to look cute in a little line on my floor or on this little shelf. And whatever I've got there, that's it. Like there's not a room for another pair of boots unless I start squishing them or push some to the back or bring some up to the attic. Do I have a few pairs of boots in the attic that I hardly ever wear? Yes, I am a normal human being. However, I, I cannot, I don't just go buy shoes for a deal because well my my brain quickly yeah quickly says you don't have room you don't have room I do the same thing with clothes because I wear them and I want to look good in them and I I buy nice 
branded clothes just because of how my body is and I know it will look good. And so I am like that with clothes. I am very particular and meticulous and like Mm -hmm. I will purge this summer and I'll go shop and get a few more things from next year's wardrobe and like one of my skirts got a run in it like because it was like a chiffonie and it got snagged and I know I'm going to I know I'm going to pass that down. And mm-hmm. I got this skirt and that, you know, like I, and because I dress better and I feel more, less stressed, like guys, I get up at five o'clock in the morning and I never stress out about what I'm going to wear because I, my life mm-hmm. is so concrete about how I look. Mm-hmm. Like you could guess every single day what I was probably going to wear because I dress. And so when I've worn out that pencil skirt or that pair of wide-legged trousers, I don't feel bad about buying a new pair because I know I'm going to use it. I know I've, you know, I don't buy very often. I probably buy like $100 worth of clothes to replenish my wardrobe each year. Mm-hmm. That's not bad because it's Mm-mm. one and done. I go, I go shopping, I get it done. I know my aesthetic. And I'm getting there with my house. But there's an amount of confidence in what you want. And I think mm-hmm. that's the hardest part too is that with consumerism and social media, there's so many different things and aesthetics. And ooh, I f- oh, I love mm. – like, and if someone does their aesthetic well, it's hard not to love it. Like sure. I see people who do boho really well and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. my gosh, that is so amazing. Yep. And then I look at macrame and I go – Amber Christine, who do you think you are? <laughs> I'm, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. But like, but that's why I wish I had fifty different houses so they right, could ha- it, have their that, own aesthetic. And but you know, <laughs> but I'm like, you are not that. I'm also, I know I'm not a farmhouse girl. Like that's mm-hmm. just not who I am either. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I, I, I decided. I told Peter, I was like, I feel like our house needs to look how I dress, like French, sim- French modern. Like that's what it. I mm-hmm. that's and that's literally the as I buy things, how it becomes looking more and more like. It's true. Brown, white, gray, with navy. some bright blue thrown in. I know. I love my bright blue <laughs> and navy. It's navy. Yeah. And so I think that that's. I think people have to and that is a lack of confidence I wish people could become more confident in the functionality of their home and trust their aesthetic like I'm gonna give a shout out to my friend Catherine she has the coolest aesthetic I could she has a great idea of color and she knows how to like take vintage stuff and like and modern stuff and she blends it so well and she has a really great eye for space and and I could never have a house like hers. But every time I go into her house, I see something new and I just love it. And I love how she lays things out and everything has purpose. Mm-hmm. She knows her style. And so she buys thoughtfully. And I remember her waiting and waiting for her record player. She wanted, she has like a vintage record player and she wanted a table to put it on. And she waited and waited. And it was just on a simple like end mm-hmm. table for a long time. And she was like, I am not chimping out on this and mm-hmm. I'm not just buying the easiest thing and she mm-hmm. waited and and then she had it and it was fantastic and it was perfect and it was exactly what she wanted mm-hmm. and it was maybe $300 she'll correct me I'm sure if I'm wrong but that's a very good point to wait, wait. she waited for it for... and she knew that if she waited yeah. for it and got what she wanted that's better than the four different cheap things for a buck a hundred bucks or 50 bucks that you got at target or walmart right. she that's why i waited 13 years for my my very first sofa yeah that we bought brand spanking new and did pay six thousand dollars for but it was 
it was like I, I can't there's nothing in between the futon and that sofa for me there was nothing in between I didn't want a sofa from Wayfair I didn't want a sofa from you know a $400 thing that's gonna break down in a year I wanted something that could have a life that kind of grew with my kids for at least a decade if not more and it's it needs to be replaced now like it doesn't owe us anything and it's it's, it's been its jumped on for uh, uh, right by two little boys forever and and she's given out but it's but I but there but the but the 13 years that I waited and we just made do with a futon I was we were fine with that I was like I just there's nothing in between and we can't afford that so it's this it's mm-hmm. it's waiting it's waiting for that either the right price or the right deal for the thing that you want but then it's waiting in between it's not it's not filling that void with other things that don't really right fill the you void. waste way more money than you think you do and you're just really not that happy with it and then you and then you start lowering your standards I think and you're just like well whatever it, it's not my forever this or that it's like what's your it's your now this or that you're alive today right so it should you should love it I think and you I should love it or need it I also think if everything is simple, you it you do have more room to breathe, and it is a lot easier to clean people. It's a lot easier to clean. It's not even a thing. You can run around a huge house in 20 minutes, tidy it up, and make it ready for people to come over and have coffee. 20 minutes. If you just have the basics. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of little things, like the little trinkety things. No. No. <laughs> I start to get angry. She does. But, and I, I, I am less, I am more than her, but less than most. And yeah. And you have a huge space and it looks very simple. It I does. mean, it, it really does. And well, so. And it, but the thing is, is like, I have a different mentality that like, I like interesting things. And so like, and I, so I have a, I also have Kurt's so good to you. And not that Peter's not good to me, but my husband's a bibliophile and he has more books than I've ever seen any human being on the they planet. They look nice in your house though. They do. Yeah. But part of what I do to like change that, like I have a bookshelf, there's bookshelves everywhere full of books, but I always make sure they look nicely. They're nicely displayed. And I always like, Peter found like his grandfather's camp stove and it's this really funky and it's silver and copper and it was like back from like the 30s. I put it next to a bunch of books so like because mm-hmm. only four could fit. And so like I have trinkety things like that that I think are so unique and different and they break up. Because if not, my house would look like a library. I do not know how to explain this to people. Like I would look <laughs> like you were in a library because there are literally books mm-hmm. on every surface. And every time I de- That like, is its own aesthetic. The bibliophile aesthetic. Oh, gosh. It's, I mean, I love that I have a smart, intelligent husband and all that jazz. But yeah, reading books is definitely nothing to put down. No, people don't read enough books. They don't, (laughs) but it is a lot of space. Like it takes up like, and they do collect dust pretty quick. They do. And And they're everywhere. And he reads like six at one time. I've never met anyone like him. I do that too, though. I read, I I read based on my mood. So I'll, I'll usually have some, like a couple personal growth books and then a couple books where it's just true crime. And then a couple books where it's like I'm learning something totally new, like a new, you know, learning something about things that I'm really, really interested in. Not personal growth per se, not right. emotional growth or right. emotional intelligence, but like just if you learning. want to learn about a time in history, read yeah, bi- I love history. I, yeah. I love yeah. history stuff. So like I read, yeah. ironically, I was reading about the plague. Of course you were. Right before COVID. 
That's so funny. Can I tell you that freaked me out a little bit? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's just like... But, uh, but anyway, I just think that like knowing your style, knowing your husband's style, knowing your kids, being giving yourself grace. I'm telling you, when my kids were little, it it was baskets. It was just baskets. I had a weapons basket. I had a you know a doll basket. I had a baby basket. I had a just survive. Everyone just mm-hmm. throw stuff in a basket. Yep. Like there's seasons, and now for sure. And so, yep. and even Rach had a season for of sure. more clutter because she oh, had yeah. boys. My gosh, when I they mean, were little, toddlers so, and and babies, and and then I even remember that when age that plastic after. thing was in your house, and I think I which plastic thing? It was like this, like huge. It was in your playroom and James Street, and it was like this huge, and it was like a play school thing, and it had a alphabet on it, and like it made noise, mm-hmm. and it ha- mm-hmm. it was like. It was hideous. It mm-hmm. was hideous. And I remember looking at you and you just said to me, do not speak. <laughs> this is like, what love looks like. I know. And that's what I think. You, you might have said those exact words. This is and what I was love like, looks and like. And it was pre-cell phones, people, because if it was not, I would have taken a picture. Because I was like, there is a plastic Fisher Price. Yeah. For the most Little part, people. we tried not to have plastic. But so it's did just we, a losing some, battle. It is because they love it. And are you going to say no to your, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I know we had tons of wooden stuff too, but. And when you have a lot of kids, you know, but now it's getting easier and easier. So there's also seasons. Yes. And, but I do think as I'm, you know, downsizing and we are going to do, we decided our next session of ones, we're going to do one on Swedish death cleaning. I do think that as, you know, living with someone who's about to pass away, you know, with my grandmother and walking this season with her, um, I don't want to do that to my children. And mm-hmm. I've also had it the other way. When Peter's uncle passed away, it got really ugly. Like this, like the fight over the stuff or like whose mm. responsibility was the stuff. And um, I just refused to do that. I just refused to do that. And so that's one of the most peaceful things about my grandmother is like, I've collected the things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. I feel a peace about it. Like, and my family, St. Patrick's Day is the biggest day. Like, that's the celebration. So I went in and I found her old vintage St. Patrick's Day shirt she wore for years and years and years. And I'm like, I will wear this every St. Patrick's Day for the rest of my life. Right? Like, mm-hmm. I th- that's, that's different, though, than just being like, this was all my grandmother's and I'm going to keep it all because right. I love my grandmother. And it's like, nope, no, that's not and that the same is the thing. Difference. But I can see how it's hard for people. And so, but it has been freeing. Mm-hmm. to but you have to talk like you I'm not nearly cl- like I'm not a hoarder I'm cluttery and I'm getting better but I also don't fight my children hard enough so um but I am cluttery like I do like things and I grow sentiment to them and I have to self-talk like mm-hmm. I can't imagine but I'm not at a hoarder level yet and I think you would even agree with that but I self I think you just know that I would slap you silly and start coming over and throwing I was that kid who and I never knew anyone in my entire life who did this until I read um, Marie Kondo. Uh, yeah, what's her book? Sparks Joy. The tar- the tidy, tidy, the gift of tidying up, or the yeah. art of tidying up. Anyway, I read her book years ago, and I was like, she's the only other person who she was writing about how when she was little, she got in trouble for throwing away her sibling stuff and for st- throwing away stuff that was just in the house. That she would take a trash bag and she would go around the house and throw things away. I was like. I did that. Yes, you did. I did that. And I got in trouble for it sometimes, like so much trouble. And I I had never found anyone who, as a child, 
Yeah, you as a child, mm-hmm. I already was super sensitive to clutter and would try to take steps towards getting rid of stuff, just stuff like everything from actual garbage to just stuff that was like, I don't really know what purpose this has or decorations that I didn't like. I would just try to make them disappear. And it's all very true. She's I mean, even things off the wall, people. I was just I was pretty ruthless. And in some cases, I have done that for some of my clients and has, has never been revealed thrown stuff away where I'm just like I am doing them a favor right now and they don't know most people I have never really gotten in trouble but I was like most people just don't know like mm-hmm. what they've got anymore and I really do believe that you're doing them a favor like if you're a child if you are a child and your parents a hoarder you are doing them a favor if you take a trash bag when they're gone on vacation <laughs> somewhere and, and just get, go and clean get your out family a, help if they're a hoarder because there's some deep right. Well, even if you can just see it heading that direction, just 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 make a few things disappear. Just be like, I'm gonna lighten it. Imagine that it's on a scale and it's so heavy. Just try to take a few bags off the scale, yeah. but because it's 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 gonna end up being your problem eventually. It really what, is. I mean, so gosh, we've already been talking about this for an hour. See, I this is what I could talk about all the time all day long it's like it is my one of my passions where I'm just like it's just what comes naturally to me like breathing where I'm just like I just want to make things simpler all the time I want to find a way to make this simpler and to just kind of keep it that way and it is very very hard and it's hard when you have kids because kids are always we families I shouldn't blame the kids we're all especially if you have hobbies and toys and books and school and learning and other things it's just the stuff of life it is but you've got to stay with it you've got to stay in that struggle you've got to keep pushing back on the stuff and trying to take those little steps and I, my dream is to put all those storage facilities out of business. It's a gift to be simple. <laughs> it's a gift to be free. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello.